find this part of my castle. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Hotline. My name is Michael and I'm joined by Kaylee. Hello. Every week we go over different alien, cryptid or just paranormal stories that we hear or find online and we just try and break them down and see if we think they're real or not. As always, if you have any topics you want us to cover or any info you think we should know about, you can always write into us at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter at paranormalhl. And if you really like the show, you can support us on Patreon and join our Discord. You can support us from as little as two euro a month. And honestly, guys, it really helps us out. You have no idea how much energy drink Kaylee goes through when she researches. She's like 60% monster energy at this point. It's not even funny. I could power a city just from my, the, the tremors in my seat. <laughs> I love tremors. It's such a great movie. <laughs> But this week's honestly been a bit of a letdown for me, to be honest, because I was really looking forward to all the classified America stuff, but they just yeah. had to continue disappointing me. No, it's it's still coming. I think it was the 25th they've said now. Yeah, but like they're just putting it back so they have time to get all the good stuff out. They're just like, it's yeah, they, no, just... they keep leaking little bits is the thing. I think what they're doing is they're trickling out little bits and they're what, they're trying to gather what people's reactions like. Yeah, I get what you mean, but like, it's just like, give it to me. I'm sick of the foreplay. <laughs> Stop blue balling us. Give us the info. Yeah. To help myself cope with the disappointment, I decided to see if any other countries ever released any alien stuff. And Jesus Christ, did the French pull through. The French? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So this week, we'll be diving into a French organization known as Gaipan. G-E-I-P-A-N. It's the official French government group for UFO or UAP sightings that in 2007 declassified everything. There is some insane stuff in here. In 2007? So this yep. was a while ago. Damn. I actually have a bit of a... There's a bit of history on the group that we need to go to first just so you can understand how serious they take it. Sweet. Let's go. And the other thing is... Now... <laughs> There is a lot, but the website is just really good and easy to navigate, so we shouldn't have much of a problem outside of the fact I don't speak French and the whole website is in <laughs> French. But I can understand, I, like, you can Google Translate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, there's some acronyms here, and you'll know some and you won't, but they just, it, it's the same thing that you're used to, but with different letters. So if I say uh, A-N-P, it's actually a U-A-P. Oh. It's just the way yeah, yeah. things go, like, the, like translations yeah 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 now, what you sensory no i was just gonna say like i remember when i was younger um in france it was the only country at the time where you could study uh like paranormal s ghost hunting things in a college setting i was fully convinced when i was like 12 years old that i was going to france to become a, a paranormal investigator <laughs> you still can yeah it's crazy well, i'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> i don't think there's many career prospects from ghost hunting so Gaipen was formed in 1977 but back then it was just Gapen. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it because they actually had to change their names a few times but its roots go back way earlier than 1977 because you know who Charles de Gaulle is yeah no sorry Charles de Gaulle he was basically he led the, Fre the free French against the Nazis and stuff oh that's cool but in nineteen sorry, in nineteen fifty four, in the city city of Tanan Tananariv, Tananariv, <laughs> in nineteen fifty four, in a city in Madagascar, 
there was a UFO sighting by a really big number of people where a brown saucer hovered over the city for a while and then flew off. Wow. How many people saw it? And I think it was in like a hun- the hundreds. Oh, wow. Damn. And it really unsettled Charles de Gaulle because a well, giant spaceship hanging around over cities is a bit of a big deal. And what year was that? That was 1954. So, like, the thing is, like, when we see things like that now, it's always a question of, was that China or Russia? But back then, there's there's absolutely no way it was them, you know? Like, now it could be just, yeah, they're a little bit more advanced in technology, but back then, not a hope. That was nobody human. Yeah, they had, like, a satellite, I think. Yeah. Or was that the 60s? No, I think it was the 60s, yeah. But um, there's another man that needs to be mentioned as well. He's called John Luke Breville. He was basically assigned to make a UFO department, and he wrote three objectives that the group had to have. The probability of the existence and search for extraterrestrial intelligence, what our relations could be with them through space, and what is going on in our own environment. In other words, now, the exact words he used were the study of phenomenus aerospatics non-identifice. The words he used there are very important because they translate literally as unidentified aerospace phenomena. Wow. So he was the first one to call them UAPs back in like the 60s, 70s. That's insane. And he even insisted, and this is something I never thought of, but it's a really good point. He insisted that they be called that because there's a difference between seeing something move in the sky that's like a solid object and seeing a weird light. Basically, just because something's in the sky doesn't mean it's a solid object. It could just be reflected light. Yeah, yeah. It could be an optical illusion. That happened in one of the mountains over in the US somewhere. People were seeing lights in in the sky, but then it turned out that it actually was just an optical illusion from the reflection of headlights from the cars. So, I know what one you're on about, actually. Yeah. It was basically a car was going up a hill, so the headlights were on the clouds, yeah. and everyone was like, what the it fuck? It was like hitting it in such a weirdly specific way that it was it made it look like there was orbs of light, but it wasn't. Because it was always two of them as well, so it was very clearly headlights. But, um, sorry, so the group got permission to form in 1966, or 1967, but they didn't actually get up and running until 1977 due to a bunch of political stuff going down in France at the time. <laughs> But something really weird had happened in the meantime. So some radio stations started broadcasting about alien sightings. Yeah. And this caused like an insane explosion of UFO reports in like 1974. Yeah. So when Geppen when started, they only had six people who had to study all the reports they were getting. Oh, damn. And, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I'll cut that out. <laughs> Uh, when they started, they only had six people who had to study all the reports they were getting. So from 1974, there was around 300, and they'd get at least 100 a year. Now, they had to report to a scientific council of 12 scientists. So by the end of 1977, when they gave the scientific council their first report, it was 290 pages. Damn! Now, to go any further, I'll have to explain how they classify their sightings. Do you ever read SCP? No. Okay, well, this entire organization is just like a real-life French SCP (laughs) where they grade things in, like, different classes on what kind of object they might be. And then they give them to, like, a board of 12 people who decide what what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So you have A class, which are perfectly identified, which means, like, oh, look, yeah, he's seen that, but it's clearly a plane. You can tell by the lights or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then there's B which is probably identified. Yeah. Now, together, A and B make up around 26% of their sightings. Is that all? I thought it would be higher. Yeah. Insufficient information only makes up 36%, which is class C. Jeez. 
and then unidentified is class D with 38%. But like unidentified, they just have no clue whatsoever what it is. Yeah. Whoa. Now, they, they did publish some of the reports in the mid 80s and I'll get to those in a minute because they're really, really cool and they're classified as class D. Yeah. But publishing the reports put a lot of pressure and eyes on the group and it eventually dissolved and was replaced by another group called SEPRA, which is the Service for the Study of Atmospheric Reentry Phenomena. But like, again, it's French, so the letters we swapped around. This is crazy. But um, it's still the same. It was still the same group of people reporting to the same group of people. Yeah. Just but a new name. One really good thing about Geppen is that they're basically a division of the French NASA, CNES. Senis. I didn't know there was a French C- space program. <laughs> yeah, it's like the national like European space or whatever like oh, that. Oh, okay. But what they do is if they had any evidence that they found during like an investigation, they'd bring it straight to them and they'd analyze it, they'd do all the tests and everything and then they just published it like they published the results. That's just crazy. <laughs> That's the way it should be but like. It was kind of it's. It was really good, but it was also really bad because it was annoying because of the amount of oversight they suddenly had. Yeah. But it was also really good because they had a massive space organization analyzing all their results. Yeah, I'm curious now as to but what the results the, were. What did they actually find? In 2001, uh, CNES basically decided to do an audit on the whole organization because it was believed it was ma- wasting too much time, too much resources, and stuff like that. Yeah. But after the audit, the head of the company decided, like the head of CNES decided to do a complete restructure of the entire organization. So it got its current name, Gaipen, which is Group for Study, Group of Studies and Information on Unidentified Aerospace Phenomena. So it has gone through three names. It was Gepin, which is G-E-P-A-N. Uh, then it was Serpa. And now it's the one currently is, which is Gaipen. They sound like Pokemon. This is a Pokemon evolution. I know, but like a French Pokemon. A French Pokemon. There is a French Pokemon. There is one. There's a whole game based in France. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is crazy, though. I just... Why why rebrand it like that? Are they just trying to get the attention away from it? Or did one of them get a bad name and then they rebranded them? Or Well, that's just it. You see, it was kind of... It was kind of a mix of everything. So after a few reports came out, people were like, okay, they're sensationalizing it. Like, they're making people believe too much about aliens and it's just getting too much focus. We rename it Serpa. Yeah. Or Sepra. And um, then they were like, okay, this is just taking up a load of stuff. We need to reorganize this. We need to sort it out. And that's how it became Gaipen. Yeah. But when it became Gaipen, there was one kind of big difference. So the head of CNAS decided that it had a new mission objective, which was to be completely transparent with the public on their findings. So in 2007, they uploaded their case files to the Gaipen website, and it's just there for everyone to look through. And I, I thought it would be stuff like the American ones we got so far with like grainy flight footage and stuff like that. Yeah. But this is actually like insane stuff. Ooh. So there's like results of tests, there's interviews with witnesses, there's transcripts, there's loads of stuff. Has there, so just I have a question though. Has there been any actual physical alien sightings, as in the creatures? There's been a few, and I don't want to get into those ones yet because those ones are a bit out there. They're out there, but 
the problem is they're out there in a way that fits perfectly into everything else. <laughs> Sweet. No, I just feel like we've been talking about UAPs and UFOs and sightings of stuff. And we did cover Travis Walton, but other than that, we haven't heard anything official from anywhere about actual creatures. Actual yet. creatures. Yeah, yeah, it's always, there's something out there flying around. We don't know what it is. I don't think that's the case. I think they must know something about what's inside of it. Well, there was one case. I don't have much of it here because it was one I was just glancing through and I was like, that's really cool, but I really want to talk about these other ones. Yeah. And there was one where like, um, (laughs) I think a child said that a ship touched down the field and four little brown skinned men got out, waved at her, got back on the ship and left. (laughs) That's really friendly. Cute. I know. I I like that. Like, you rarely hear them do something malicious to kids. Yeah, yeah, never. I mean, you rarely hear them do anything malicious to people, really. I think I know why that is. Why? All the aliens are actually really short because, as I'll get into the accounts I have here, the most common size for the ships they see are about a meter and a half in height. Yeah, because I yeah I can't remember how big Travis said his one was, but I think it was about five meters tall thereabouts. Is that though the hot woman one or like? Mm, actually, yeah, that was the one with the triangle-shaped ceiling, or is it the one wasn't he it? It was. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one he woke up in. <laughs> Okay, so with some of the, like, the history stuff out of the way now, I just want to get onto these two encounters. Right. Because I think the first one you're going to really like, but the second one you're just going to be like, holy so shit. So when was this declassified, for starters? These were all declassified in 2007. Oh, sweet. Okay, I'm right. I'm ready. Now, but this one was published in the 80s. All right. And this is the one that called... This one and the next one are the reason they had to change the name, because they were just getting too much public attention and people thought they were stirring up fear. <laughs> this is going to be spicy. So the first one takes place in the province of Trans, which is a forest in France. I'm going to say the word Trans here a lot. I mean the forest. Okay. <laughs> so on January 8, 1981, a man called Renato Nicolai was working on his farm and he heard a weird noise he described as a faint whistling. So looking around, he saw something move in the sky and it came down to... I don't know how to describe it. It landed, but it didn't. Okay. So he he described it as two saucers with one upside down on top of the other and a rim around the middle. So your typical UFO shape. But two of them on top, one on top of the other? No, no. Like if you put a plate on a table oh, right, and right. put another plate upside down on top of okay. it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Typical saucer shape then. Yeah, it's your basic thing. But what kind of stands out about it was it was a meter and a half tall and started to land. So I have an artist rendition here for you. Sweet. So you know what it looks like when it landed. It's the very first picture I sent you there. Uh, when, was it, when did this encounter happen? Sorry, um, it was the 8th of January 1981. Okay, sweet. Yeah, it's a very typical saucer. It's very smooth. But the thing is, it didn't actually touch the ground with like the saucer part. That's very, very small. It only touched down for about three or four seconds at most. Now, he described it as, under the machine, I saw two pieces, two kinds of pieces as it was lifting off. They could be reactors or feet, but there was also two other circles that looked like trap doors. The two reactors slash feet extended about 20 centimeters below the body of the machine. But what really got a lot of interest in this was after it took off and flew away, which was only like... I think the whole encounter only lasted 45 seconds. Yeah. And on their website, there's actually a second-by-second breakdown of everything that happened. They're really good about it. Hmm. But um, when he described it leaving, he notified the like authorities. And they came out, and Guy Penn was there, and they sent stuff to CNES and everything. But what they found was these scorch marks on the ground. 
And when they checked the scorch marks, they were kind of like semi-circular. Yeah. And they said like it would be really weird for something to quickly touch down and take back off again because it came in at an angle. So for something to take, like it would skid. It wouldn't be a perfect semi-circle. It would have to immediately just it would s- lose all momentum and stop. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And basically, they took the samples. They got his inter- like, sorry. They took the samples, they took his witness account, they did everything, and they sent the samples to Cenus. And Cenus, who like studied it and analysed it, found out that the burn marks had traces of zinc and phosphate. Oh. But that wasn't the only really weird thing, because there were some plants nearby that had chlorophyll levels at almost half of what they normally would have, and all the other plants further away from the spot were just fine. That's strange. So, it was tiny. It was the smallest little flying saucer I think I've ever heard of account of. I know, but one thing I've noticed is a lot of the French alien encounters, their ships are very small. Like Napoleon. Kind of. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe Napoleon Maybe was, an, was alien. an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I had when I got it pierced. Oh my god. Um... That is the strangest little story. I wonder why it touched down and then took off. Well, the reason I brought the reason I wanted to mention this one is because it really ties in to the next one because of the plants. Okay. So it's not the only time plants have been affected, and the next one takes place about a year later in Nancy in France on the twenty first of October. Yeah. So the last guy was a farmer. He worked the land, so like he didn't really have great. He wouldn't have a great hold of a great grasp of science, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he'd understand how to farm, and he understood science and everything, but he, he wasn't. He was a basic farm man. He understood farming, and that's all he needed to know. Yes, he had a deep knowledge, but it wasn't very wide, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one was a 30-year-old biologist known as Mr. Henry, and he showed up at his, with his wife at the local gendarmerie station. Now, the gendarmerie are a kind of police. I guess the best way to describe them would be they're a mix of regular police and military police. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so like the French have the French police, and they also have this other group. Kind of like the way that in Canada they have the police and they have like the Mounties. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. But um, these ones would be more closely tied to like the... Like, Department of Defense than the regular police would be, if that makes sense. But why? Because it's just like, I think it's kind of some kind of carryover, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> What's up, France? But, it's like, they train military with them and they do a few other things. Yeah, yeah. But um, they made a report where he went into detail what he saw. Now, I have his statement out and I'll read it, but I won't be reading it verbatim because it's translated from French. <laughs> So it's not a perfect translation. Yeah, yeah. Rough translation. Yeah. Uh, This day, around quarter past twelve, leaving my work and being in my garden in front of the house, I witnessed the following phenomenon. Around 12.35, I saw a flying machine that I at first took for a plane coming from the southeast. I saw it shine, and there was no cloud, and I didn't have the sun in my eyes, and the visibility was great. Its Its descent speed wasn't super fast, and I thought it was going to pass over my house. At one point, I saw that its trajectory ended above me. So, like, he backed up a few meters away because he was like, it's going to go right above my head. But then he saw it come down. So, if you look at the second picture I sent you, it's actually, like, this is from their files. If it had gone straight forward, it would have basically hit his roof. 
But while going down, it suddenly just went immediately straight down. Ooh. So it'd be the second one I sent you? Yeah, I'm looking at it. And the third one is he's drawing of the ship. Mm, that one's a bit thicker in the center. I know, it is a little different. Yeah. But um, he was like, there I saw the oval craft, which once it like touched down in front of him, it didn't touch the ground. He said that he saw the oval craft hover about a meter above the ground for 20 minutes. Whoa. Now he's like, I am positive at the time because I checked it a few times. I observed the machine first at one meter, one and a half meter, then approaching me slowly to 50 centimeters. So it actually got a little closer to him to within half a meter. And, and is this one about a meter in height as well? Because I'm looking at it there in the center bar on it, which looks like it takes up a good chunk of the space is only 40 centimeters. Yeah, I know. That's tiny. But like, I know. But like, if you look at the next picture. It'll actually give you a reference height for him. It takes up, I'd say it's more than oh half Oh my god, height. that's so small. I know. It looks like it's less than a meter tall. It might just be like the drawing as well though. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that's that's really small. I'm surprised by this. Can you imagine if there was somebody now, well, inside of that, how big they would be? They'd be tiny. He'd be that, do you know what size it would be? Do you remember Men in Black? Do you know that little thing living in your man's yeah, head? Yeah, No, they'd look like, I, I'm picturing them about like monkey size. You know, like an, like a small ape would probably fit inside that. Yeah. Like that one from Friends. Yes. An yeah. What, whatever that species is called. A Ross. Uh, what was his name? Marcel. Marcel. Marcel would fit inside that. I only, I only know that because we watched that Friends review. <laughs> <laughs> But um, he did give a description about it. I love that he drew his plants so, next to it so you can <laughs> see his plants. The plants are very important. Oh. <laughs> so um, he, uh, he's... So continue from what he said. It Basically, he observed it first at a meter and a half. Then it approached him to within half a meter. I can give the following description. Ovid shape, diameter about 1 meter 50, thickness 0 meter 80, so about 80 centimeters <sighs> thick, like in that height. That is tiny. The lower half had a metallic polished beryllium-like appearance. The upper half was a lagoon blue-green color in its internal. Oh. So it looked like a bluish green. I wonder why. This machine emitted no sound, gave off neither heat nor cold nor radiation nor magnetism nor electromagnetism. I give you a rough sketch of the machine, and I think I have approached reality as much as possible in terms of dimensions and shapes. So we will put that picture up in the Discord and stuff, just so people can see it. This is crazy, though. I mean, like, uh, I have so many questions. All right, so this thing stopped for 20 minutes? Now, I do have to say, what would you do if something stopped for you in front of 20 minutes? I think, the, I think, number one, the thing that would freak me out the most is that it's not making any noise whatsoever. I mean, you think about anything that hovers in place now, like that. We have drones, was, helicopters, they make a noise. I have this here. Yeah. I was going to leave it for a little bit, but he did go into a lot of detail about that. He said, one thing that made me extremely anxious was the lack of noise. It didn't make any noise. I know very well that when something moves in the air, the old laws of physics apply and it would whistle or yeah. there would be a wind. And then I assure you, for the, I assure you that for my part, I have no hearing problems and my ears are working fine. Cause like, if it was in front of me, I'd definitely try and touch it. <laughs> I would definitely be like Travis Walton and walk up and try and slap the thing. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd slap that. it, but I definitely try and like push it to see if it's like a balloon, you know, to give it a little shove and see if it wobbles or anything. Did you ever see that video of like the? mime he's messing around with like um a briefcase and he's moving it and like pushing it and yeah. stuff i can see you doing that 
Um, but he does con- he does continue, and he says, in addition to sorry. No, you'd have to jump on top I, I, of it though. You'd have to. And if it had a window, look inside and try and see if you could see anything. And if you could see any creatures, just be like, I could eat you. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? It would scare the crap out of them. Yeah, and they're in a spaceship. They'd zap you. This is how Travis died. <laughs> Travis didn't die. They knew die. he was going to box the head off him. <laughs> they thought he died. <laughs> just start biting but the does- corners of the thing. <laughs> He does say that he thinks it was, he said, the density seemed very heavy to me. So he thought it was a really heavy looking thing that was just floating there. But um, he said, the shape of this machine matched closely to the surface of my garden. So he did have, I have like blueprints of his town and his layout of his garden and everything because they're all on that website. Yeah. And like, it is a very round garden in a square street. So you could make sense, you could get how he would think oh maybe it thinks it's a landing area oh oh now during the 20 minutes of observation i went to the first floor of my house took my loaded camera and went back down to the patio the machine had not moved from its place no way i tried to i tried to take a picture but my device blocked because i say is already presented because his camera didn't work but he as he had said before it like to them in the interview it's nowhere here on the website it had already presented problems several times the camera as i already specified yeah ah for fuck's sake as i already specified above the observation lasted 20 minutes at the end of which the machine suddenly rose to a constant vertical a trajectory which was maintained until the loss of sight the departure of the machine and i will not say takeoff because it never landed was very fast I would like to point out that in the grass, no trademark was registered, nor in the in- external infrastructure. Basically, it didn't mark any of the grass. It didn't mark any of the buildings. It just went straight up pure silent. <sighs> That's crazy. The grass is neither charred nor crushed. I simply noticed that at the start of the machine, the grass stood straight up too quickly. Sorry. Sorry. I simply noticed that at the start of the machine, the grass stood up straight to quickly return to normal position. So basically, when the thing took off, all the grass in his garden stood up. And he does actually mention later that that really bothered him because he wanted to press the point that the grass moved towards the object and that it was grass heavy with rain. That's creepy. So it's like, creepy that it did that even, without any noise. noise or like, because if, if he said, oh, it was a breeze or something, I could understand like a suction or something of it going flying up into the air. But the fact that just the grass stood up, that's weird. I think I know why. <laughs> why? I'm not even joking. It's something you've mentioned before. Do you, And we keep coming back to him. Do you remember when Bob Lazar said that they could like move gravity? Yeah, yeah. Well, if the gravity was pulling up, yeah, there wouldn't be any noise. Gravity doesn't make noise and the grass would lean up. If it was within the like circle of it, yeah, it would. And if it was heavy, that would just make it stand up straight, which we, which it did. I don't understand. Why did it go down there? Why is it so small? It just, it's tiny. It's really, really, really small. Now he says, at the time of the observation, I was alone in my garden and in my house. I didn't see any immediate neighbor. Now his house is in a weird spot. It's basically blocked off from the street. You can't see the street. Kind of convenient though. And he's like, I didn't want, uh, I add that my house is below the road and the mach- I doubt the machine could be seen when it was in the garden. I first spoke to my wife about it, which is why I didn't call you right away. I spoke to my wife about at five o'clock when she returned from work and we came directly to your office. 
Now, it's a really good detailed sighting, and he, like, he did go into more detail about how it didn't make noise and how the grass and everything. When did this but sighting happen more again? Thing he found out. Sorry, when did this sighting happen again? October 21st, 1982. Okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Now, um, the next part is really interesting. So he goes into more detail when he was questioned, and he stated that as close as he was, he could see no evidence of any machining or screws or welding. And even, like, it looked like one solid thing that had just taken that shape with two different colors. That's a very common thing, though, isn't it? But what makes it even weirder is that when they returned home from making the report, like, they got there at 5 o'clock, they didn't get out until, what, like, 8 or 9, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, they actually phoned the station again to have them come to their house and take some samples because they found out that some of the plants in that spot were completely dehydrated. Wow. Again, though, this was right after rain yeah, and all yeah. the plants were wet, except for these ones that were just completely dry. <clears throat> Sorry. And there were samples taken and sent to Gepin and who sent them on to CNES, but they were just like, yeah, these plants are dry. That's all we know. <laughs> Man, aliens are always sending but, us messages like, hey, be careful with nuclear war and stuff but they're using all this technology that kills plants that can't be good well that's just it it didn't actually kill the plants yeah but it like dehydrated them so no they were dead from like the ground up but once they dug them up they found out that the entire root system was still alive and healthy and everything it was only the part of the plant above the ground that was dead that still can't be good for the plant (laughs) no I'm just saying like let's say someone poisoned all the plants to make them look dehydrated or whatever yeah that would destroy the roots as well. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. But, yeah, they took, like, they did take samples of the plants and they didn't find anything weird about them except for the fact that, for some reason, all the plant above ground was dead. Even the grass? No, like, these specific plants, okay. they were cattails or something. Yeah, yeah. Now, both of these cases are classed as D, according to Gaipen, meaning they're unexplained and when they were originally like published like i said it caused a bit of a spike in reports and i always feel kind of conflicted about yeah, that yeah i was gonna say whenever something like that comes out it's really hard to sort of people who just want attention from the people that genuinely think they had an encounter yeah because like once something like that comes out you, you kind of get a mix of both because if somebody did have an encounter and a case like this comes forward they go you know they don't feel as alienate <laughs> as alienated they don't feel like complete weirdos when they come forward and say something happened to them as well but also you get people who are just looking for attention by saying something happened to them. So you really just get the both sides of the coin when a case like this comes forward. But one thing I like about this is that, yeah, there was not much like witnesses and his camera didn't work. But he goes into a lot of detail. He does. He really does. Like he, he, he talks about like the colors of it. He, he said... Um, like, one thing I noticed is that he starts talking about how it has a certain lagoon bluish green, which is a really specific <laughs> color to pick. Yeah. And whereas the one that I was telling you about that took place on the farm, the farmer described it as a lead-like color. I really wish you'd gotten a picture of it. I really do. I know, but to be fair, it was a camera in the 80s. <laughs> still. Still. He could have been, he, he was half a meter away. He could have taken that picture and you'd still be like, what the fuck there is that? There was good pick cameras back in the 80s. They weren't very common, but they there were good cameras. <laughs> and not a single one yeah, of them pointing true. at aliens. We don't know that. We'll have to wait until the Americans release their That's report. true. That's true. 
I will say though that there is so many other cool ones on the website that you could spend months going through yeah. it. Now I actually have a link for the website here for you to look oh, at. Oh sweet. Because I just want you to see how good this website is. Uh, just before I send it to you, in the top right you can change it to English. English. So you can literally just pick a place and it will show you how many UFO reports there have been, what kind of like classification they have, when they were made. And if you zoom out, you can actually see ones all around the world. So there, in the last few years, there have been 2,763 in France. Wow. And in Ireland? But again, uh... No, but again, this is like the French one. So the fact they have Annie from other countries is a bit weird. This is this is so cool. Like this is the official French government website for aliens. This is insane. It literally gives you the pinpoint location, what happened, the classification. If you keep zooming in, like you can get down into the street. Yeah. There's so and many. Each one has its own classification so when you go click on it you can read all the different files but if you click on the eyeball yeah like look at the details they have in there the low speed angular height strongly suggests a release close to the witness so like this is just like here's one i just picked randomly a witness in front of the door of his home observed and then photographed the evolution of three colored light points the dots forming a triangle uh after they did some like investigations and they have the photos, the reports, and everything. It turns out someone a few streets away had released three Chinese lanterns. <laughs> Chinese lanterns are responsible for so many sightings. That's actually something they mentioned on this website where they were like, a lot of people have been seeing UFOs in the last few years. This is due to the popularity of Chinese lanterns. Please do not be dissuaded. From, or dis- What's the word? Dissuaded. dissuaded. Yeah. Dissuaded from reporting anything you see, even if you believe Chinese lanterns as basically... They know what not to look for if they keep getting wrong reports, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, even wrong reports help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah. Man, this is crazy, though. So, if you look at the top where it says case search, yeah. you can actually go and pick, like, D cases. Oh, yeah, I'm looking through the D cases right now. <laughs> D2. So, what I was thinking is, since we, there's so many here and we'll never get through them on our own. If we post a link on our Twitter and in our Discord, whoever finds the most interesting case on there and sends it into us, we'll do an episode on it. Or if there's more than one, we could do a couple in one. Sure. Sweet. So, like, we'll give them a shout out or whatever. If they're a Patreon sub, they'll get a flair for the sub or a flair for the Discord and stuff like that. Yeah, sounds cool. These are insanely cool. Also, if you're not a Patreon sub, we do now have, like, the two euro tier just for the Discord, where you can still come in, you see all the pictures, and, like, we're in there every day. We are, constantly. Talking shit, but we're in there. Yeah, yeah, we're still there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reading these now. You've lost me for the rest of the the episode. I know. I knew immediately, like, once I found this website, I was like, she's going to be fucking delighted. (laughs) But it isn't just recent ones. So, like, here's one from the 24th of the 6th, 2001. And this is a D class. Yeah. So I'm literally just picking random ones. On t- June 24, 2001, at around 7 p.m., a witness observed a slow-moving cylindrical object. The witness films the phenomenon by following him on a motorcycle. To- oh, he followed it on a motorbike. Wow. <laughs> uh, overall, sh- overall shape, 3D, one axis of symmetry, cylindrical, 50 meters long by two and a half meters in diameter. Like, there's just... R- 
this is just an amazing website for a government to have public. Sorry. But yeah, guys, we'll put that link up on the Twitter and in the Discord, and you can go through it. And again, if you have anything that you'd like us to cover, you can always email into us at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at paranormalhl or... Yeah, I think that's some all. <laughs> <laughs> that's everything for this week, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing about the guy pin and hopefully the American documents will be just as cool and have really interesting stuff in it too. I really hope so. So have a good week and hopefully you'll find something really cool on that website. Yeah, bye, bye. guys.